Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good to see you, LifePoint. Uh, greetings from downtown San Antonio. I'm a pastor at City Tribe Church in the heart of downtown. And I just got to tell you that I love your pastor, Danny. We've been friends for several years now. And I kind of have a little bit of a man crush on Danny. You know, he actually networks with me and helps me learn a little bit about stuff that we do in our own church. And we can kind of talk shop. And you know how it's kind of etiquette for the guest pastor to say something nice, you know, and honor the pastor of the house and everything. Uh, well, I'm, I'm telling you today, I'm not just doing some formality, but but I love Danny Rivers, and I believe he's not only a gift to this church, but a gift to the city of San Antonio. Would you guys join me in honoring Danny Rivers? So, yeah. so before we get into the scriptures today, what do you say we put out a hand in a position to receive from the Lord? And let's just talk to Jesus just for a minute and ask him to speak to us today. God, as we come before you in your holy word today, some of us have known you for many years, and we ask that you would speak to us fresh and anew, like legit and for real. And others don't know you, but are trying to figure out if you're out there. And I pray that you would touch their hearts and speak to them, Holy Spirit, in a way that only you can do. In a way that's personal and real. And so right now, our hearts are open, our minds are open to receive from you and your word. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus, everyone said. Amen. Well... Could I see how many of you, like me, enjoyed having birthday parties that had a pinata when you were a kid? Anybody enjoy pinatas? I mean, what's not to love about the pinata, right? Because you break the thing open, candy falls out, all the little treasures and stuff like that. And I remember the different strategies that different kids would have to get more candy when the pinata broke open. I mean, there was always the big kid that could just kind of bulldoze everyone out of the way and grab more candy. And then there's the kid that just does like the belly flop onto the top of the pile of candy. And then he could just scour as much into his pockets as he could. You know, my strategy, I'd take my baseball cap and I would try and get as much as I could in my baseball hat or whatever. But the reason that we love the pinata is because the pinata, when it's broken, a treasure comes out. And look, what I'm going to submit to you today is that you and I are like pinatas. And when we are broken, something good can come out. A treasure can come out. And more and more churches are kind of acknowledging that it's important to have value of welcoming broken people these days. How many of you have ever heard it? Someone at Life Point say, it's okay not to be okay. Have you ever heard that? And I like that sentiment, you know, I've heard it said a lot of different ways, you know, like there's purpose in your pain. Or I've heard some people say, your mess becomes your message. I've heard others say, your test becomes your testimony. I got one pastor friend that says, your comeback is better than your setback. You know, that's a good one, isn't it? And then I like this ancient poet who said, where there is ruin, there's hope for a treasure. And I hope that that's what's deposited in you today. So more and more churches and pastors are bringing this type of messaging, and I welcome that because some of us have been in religious environments where it wasn't okay to not be okay. Some of you have got scars from those environments. It's like you came and you were doing the best you knew how, and you struggled and went through trials and even sinned, and somehow you were kicked while you were down, 
and I hope that you can experience some healing from those types of religious ones today. But one of the things that I really love about the scriptures and the way God speaks to us is that he gives us these very earthy illustrations or these great pictures that we can all embrace, connect with, and understand. And so I brought a picture today of a clay jar, and I took this picture in Israel. I think this was probably at Masada, and the reason I took this picture and the reason I brought it today is because it looks very much like the clay jars that are mentioned in the New Testament of the Bible. So some of you perhaps have read through the Gospels and you've heard the story where Jesus said this guy found a treasure in a field. And once he found the treasure, he went and sold everything that he had to go back and buy that field so they could have the treasure. Because people in the ancient times would use these clay jars like you're seeing on screen here as like ancient safety deposit boxes. They would put their money, their treasures, their retirement, their 401k inside one of these clay jars, and they would bury it in the ground. And that's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Go there with me. You can go on your phone app Bible or your physical Bible, or you can just be a slacker and look at the screen, which is what most of you will probably do. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it will be evident that such overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. We have all kinds of troubles. We know that's true, don't we? But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted, yet not abandoned. Knocked down, yet not destroyed. And so this clay jar has become a bit of an icon for brokenness throughout the Scriptures. Now, when I talk about brokenness, I want you to understand what I am and am not talking about. When I say brokenness, I'm not talking about just those little imperfections about yourself that you don't like. I've heard some lady friends of mine, after they had babies, they're like, I've got stretch marks. Okay, stretch marks aren't brokenness, okay? Guys like me, as I'm aging, my hair on my forehead is going backwards. It's supposed to come, you know, it's going backwards like the rainforest, you know? That's not brokenness, you know? And guys my age, you know, hair goes places we don't want it to. We want it on our forehead, but it goes to our ears, you know? I don't know what's going on with that. And then some of you who are younger, it's like, you know, you got a C on your report card, you got a zit, or that's not brokenness. That's not what I'm talking about here. But rather, brokenness is that disability in your life, or it's like financial ruin. It's like the disease that's kind of altered your life. It's a sinful addiction that's ruining your life. It's the problem that you don't want anyone to know about, that painful thing that happened to you when you were younger, or that sinful thing that you did that continues to heap guilt and shame on your life, that creates brokenness. Brokenness is that thing that makes you feel like a freak, altered, abnormal, see? Now, everyone goes through hard times. We know that. But everyone who goes through hard times has not yet been broken unless they've chosen to cling to that. Now, I want to show you some clues of people that are and are not broken. And one of the things that we know from the Scriptures is that uh, pride... Our pride keeps us, blocks us from experiencing the kind of brokenness that the Scripture is teaching about. And I read this little book by Pete Scazzaro, and it's called Emotionally Healthy Church. And I highly recommend this book. And in this book, Pete Scazzaro shows this chart of the difference between the proud and defensive heart and the broken heart. Now, I condensed the little chart for our purposes today, and so let me show it to you. People who have the proud and defensive heart, they're guarded and protective of their flaws. You ever met that person? You just can't get to know them because they're so guarded that the broken heart is transparent about flaws. The 
proud and defensive heart is highly offendable and defensive. You seen that person on social media? And then the, the broken heart is approachable and open to input. The proud and defensive heart gives opinions like a lot, even when they're not asked for. Anybody know that you got that relative that you spent time with? And then the broken heart is slow to speak and quick to listen. The proud and defensive heart likes to control most situations, whereas the broken person can let go and allow others to lead. And then the proud and defensive heart has to be right and rarely asks for forgiveness. Have you ever known someone that has never asked for forgiveness? That is, at its core, a pride issue. Whereas broken people admit mistakes and weaknesses and are able to ask other people for forgiveness. And another thing that brokenness does is it makes you open. A broken person is an open person. Remember that. Now, when I say open, I'm not just talking about open-mindedness. Certainly, open-mindedness is a part of it. You know, a lot of people are not so open-minded. They're just like the algorithms of their social media that tell them what they already believe. But broken people become both open-minded and open-hearted. And what I mean by open-hearted is it's not just open to new ideas, but it's open to God to say, God, whatever you tell me to do, wherever you tell me to go, I'm open to that. I open my heart to you. But let me show you today three benefits of brokenness. Because when you hear brokenness, you think to yourself, I don't want to be broken. And I understand that. I totally understand that because brokenness means pain, doesn't it? But in the pain, there is some value. There's some purpose. So today, I want to show you three benefits of brokenness. Look at number one with me. It says release control. A broken person means willing to release control. Now, when we've been hurt... We can be so afraid to be hurt again that we try and maintain control of everything in our lives to keep ourselves from feeling that hurt and that pain again. So have you ever known a parent that kept tight control on his or her kids? Like over control. I'm not talking about boundaries. You know, kids need boundaries. Kids need to be held accountable to do their chores and stuff like that, right? But I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about over controlling of their kids, and those parents that over-control their kids, the tighter they squeeze, the more that kid slips out of their hand, and the further away that kid's going to move someday. But then there's also the boss at work. Some of you have had managers or supervisors or bosses that keep such a tight control, and I'm not talking about hold you, holding you accountable to do your job. I'm talking about a tight control, and the tighter that boss squeezes, the more his or her employees are keeping their LinkedIn profile up to date so they can find other work, right? We know that. Some of you are like, yeah, I was on my phone app this morning fixing my LinkedIn profile because here's the truth, is that control is an illusion. We can think we're in control of a relationship or a job or a circumstance, but the reality is there are other factors at play, and it's hard for us because we live in this society of controls, don't we? Like in our homes, we have pest control. Some of us use birth control. We have air traffic controllers. There's gun control. And most importantly, there's the remote control, the symbol of authority in the home, isn't it, right? The remote control. Now, I read this little book by Richard Foster about prayer. And in his book, he gave a prayer that I like to pray sometimes 
about control. Um, and the prayer goes something like this. Oh, Lord, how do I let go when I'm so unsure of things? I'm unsure of your will. I'm unsure of myself. And that really isn't the problem at all, is it? The truth of the matter is I hate the very idea of letting go. I really want to be in control. No, I need to be in control. That's it, isn't it? I'm afraid to give up control, afraid of what might happen. Heal my fear, Lord. (laughs) You know why I know about control? Because I've dealt with control issues in my own heart. Even before the pandemic I loved washing my hands, you know. I loved hand sanitizer and all that kind of stuff. Even this morning, I go into a public restroom, and I wash my hands thoroughly, and I take the paper towel that I use to wash my hands, and I don't throw the paper towel away. I hold the paper towel because everybody knows the germs are on the doorknob, aren't they? That's where they live. And so I use the paper towel to open said door, and I prop my foot in the door to hold it open, and then I shoot a basket at the trash can, and if it rims out, I'm not going for that paper towel. Okay, so I'm, there's no way. There's no way. See, we, we, we think even pre-pandemic, people with control even want to control the amount of germs. The pandemic came, and they're like, yay, hallelujah, thank you. Everybody's being forced to wash their hands and do this kind of stuff now. This is great. So look at number two. Brokenness leads to repentance. Now, there was a guy in the Corinthian church who committed kind of a strange sexual sin, like he had had some type of an affair with his mother-in-law or something whack like that, and so he had to be church disciplined, and the guy felt sorry for, he was broken over his sin, he turned from it, he repented, he changed, he got out of that dysfunctional relationship, and look at what Paul told him in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, he says, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to what? Say it. Repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, the Bible says here, brings death. And so what a lot of people do is they have worldly sorrow, and they've been sorry about the circumstances of their life because maybe they've been caught or maybe there were consequences to their actions, but they feel like, I don't need to repent. And it's typically pride as a root. And what they'll say is, God, I'm a treasure I'm all good. Everybody makes mistakes. If we say I'm a treasure, God will say, no, you're a clay jar. But if you humble yourself before God and say, God, I know I'm a clay jar, he'll say, yes, my son, my daughter, but I will deposit a treasure on the inside of you. See, we humble ourselves before the Lord and turn in repentance, much like what King David did when he was caught in adultery. And here's what he said in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifice you want, God, is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, O God, you will not despise. Brokenness, again, in our hearts and brokenness from the Holy Spirit doesn't just result in sorrow, but it resorts. It results in a change of actions in repentance here. Now look at number three. If you submit to him and release control, God transforms your brokenness into a treasure. Now, some of you who are kind of new to church and you're trying to check it out and you really are not sure if you really, really believe in all this or not. Maybe you're just dating a hot chick and she comes to church and you're like, I'll go to church with you because you're pretty hot, you know, and they got tacos or whatever, you know, coffee and nice enough people, so you go. 
Well, one of the things you need to understand about Christians is that Christian people love this verse, Romans 8.28. Christians, if you want to make a bunch of Christians foam at the mouth, just show them Romans 8.28, just quote it, you know. Uh, God works all things as the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I love the voice translation of the scripture. Let me show it to you. It says, we're confident that God is able to, I like that word, orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. See, Now, here's where a lot of Christians go wrong, is they'll try and make Romans 8.28 say that God's saying that everything is good and everything is not good. COVID's not good, right? Cancer, it's not good. Bankruptcy, it's not good. Rape, not good. These are things that are not good, and some of you have gone through those very things. The passage also does not say that God works it out the way I want it. Have you ever gotten mad at God for that one? It's like, God, I wanted you to work it out this way, which is the way I wanted things to work out. But the passage doesn't say that. What it does say, though, is that God can take everything, that illness, the divorce that happened. He can take the loss of a job or your stocks that went bad. He can take it all and transform it into something good, see? So it's kind of like this. Does anybody besides me like cookies? We, we, we have any cookie people around here? Chocolate chip cookies, this is the top tier cookie, okay? And you, you take the cookie, before it's a cookie, you take the ingredients to said cookie, and you take the flour, and that doesn't taste very good by itself, or the shortening, doesn't taste very good, the, Raw egg doesn't taste very good, does it, unless you're like Rocky Balboa or something like that. The only ingredient to the cookie before it's a cookie that tastes any good is the chocolate chip, right? The chocolate chips, I love me some chocolate chips. Chocolate chip is a, is a great ingredient there, but here's what happens. Is that you take those ingredients, put them in a pile or whatever, you beat it, beat it, how, are you, you know, how do you symbolize beating something? Anyway, and, and then you put it in the oven and heat it. So you beat it and then you heat it in the oven and it comes out to the delicious treasure that we all know of as the chocolate chip cookie. And that resonates with some of you because you've been beat down. And there are ingredients of your life that are distasteful. There are some good tasting experiences that you've had, but you take it all together and it's been beat down and you felt the heat of suffering. And when you submit it to God, he transforms it into something that's a treasure, something that's different. Anybody tracking with me on that? So here's what God says to Paul. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says to Paul, when Paul had this problem, wasn't ending, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. You know, anybody heard of strength finder? You know, because we all want to operate in our strengths, which is, I agree with all we ought to create one that's called weakness finder, you know, where we find the power of God in our weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Do you want what you can do in your own strengths and your own abilities in this life? Or do you want to experience what only the power of God can do in and through you? If you want God's power, you have to somehow embrace your weaknesses, your pain, your struggles. And for some of you, it's the stuff that nobody even knows about right now. It's the power of our 
weaknesses. He unleashes his power when we embrace our weaknesses. And I got to tell you, when it came to my own personal brokenness, I did not have the ability, as hard as I tried, to get over the problems that I was dealing with. Some 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, I was dealing with an out-of-control lust problem. I was experiencing a clinical depression. I'd gone to several different counselors in my lifetime. I'd been to like seven different counselors, and they diagnosed me with uh, clinical depression. And then at that time, my marriage was on the rocks, and I did not know if we were going to make it. And I went to this counseling. Some people would call it like spiritual freedom counseling or deliverance ministry or whatever. I flew up to another state, and I sat down with this counselor, and there were two guys there. One guy was counseling me, and the other guy was praying the entire time. And before I ever went, they sent me this very long inventory that I had to fill out, like on a piece of paper, every embarrassing sin I'd ever committed or every bad thing that had ever happened to me. I'd filled it all out on this form. It's like, you know, notebook size. And I sat down with these guys, and I'm sitting there, and the guy's working me through this inventory of every embarrassing thing about my life and every struggle that I've ever had, and we're praying for, through these things. And basically, the idea is you're trying to get rid of the demonic lies in your, in your head and in your heart, you know, and kind of proclaim the truth. And the guy told me, he said, Doug, you seem defeated. And he knew, you know, that I was depressed, and I'd tried everything to get over the lust issue, you know, accountability partner, accountability software, you know, all the kind of stuff that you do to try and get over that, and it just didn't seem to be working, you know. And I'd gone to these counselors, psychiatrists, and all, you know. And he said, you seem defeated. And he said, I want us to make a declaration together. And the declaration is going to be this. I want you to say out loud, I am not defeated. And here's the weird thing is that in my mind, I was thinking, I am not defeated. But when I tried to say it out loud, my mouth in just a little bit lower voice said, I am defeated. And it kind of jolted me a little bit. I thought, what the you go, what? I mean, what's going on here? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking one thing in my head, and my mouth says something different. And the guy said, Doug, I don't think you understood. I want you to try this again. This time say, I am not defeated. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I am not defeated. But then my mouth again said, I am defeated. And those guys stopped me, and they opened up a can of spiritual warfare prayer over me, and they prayed against dark demonic forces and they said, let's try this again a third time. And I was able to think with my mind and say with my mouth, I am not defeated. And it's like something broke, something clicked. And it's not because I felt different, but it's, it's because when I went home, after my wife observed me for a couple of weeks, she said, Doug, it's like a cloud of confusion is gone. It's like you're yourself again. And it's been over 20 years since I've acted out on the lust addiction. And the cloud of depression blew away. And I've been married to my wife now for over 30 years, and I'm threatening another 30 years if she keeps this up. Thank the Lord, right? Good. Yeah. So what happened this last year was as we were all going through the pandemic together, you know, we were all worried about COVID, people dying of COVID. And I'm not minimizing the pandemic. It's been significant. And I know a lot of us know people who have passed away. You know how many COVID funerals I did this past year? Zero. 
I'm not minimizing. I know people are dying. I know things are happening. But I did an unusual number of funerals for people who are suffering from emotional problems. And so I was inspired by God to get it done this last year and write this book. I'm not defeated. And if you want to buy the book, it's 10 bucks out there, and I don't make anything off the book. All the proceeds of book sales today will go towards LifePoint Church because I believe in Danny and what you guys are doing here. And so if that would be something helpful for you, then I encourage you to pick that up, and it, I think it's going to be practical for you. But why does God go to the trouble of transforming our brokenness? Why would he do that? I'm sure he's busy running the universe. I think the answer to that question is found in an ancient story, an old story of a water carrier in India. This water carrier had a pole, and he had two different water jars on each side, and he would go down to the river, he would gather water in the river, and then he would walk back up to his house. And one of the jars that carried water was a perfect pot, and it carried 100% of the water, and then the other jar was broken, and water would leak out. So in the old story... The pots could talk, you know, talking pots. And the perfect pot said, Master, I'm so glad that I realized 100% of my potential. But the broken pot was hurting and embarrassed and said, Master, I'm so sorry that I did not realize 100% of my potential and that you wasted a lot of your efforts because when you would carry me back up from the stream, I would leak water out everywhere. And I know it wasted a lot of your efforts and time. Well, then the master said, to the broken pot, I want you to look on the side of the path next to the perfect pot, and then I want you to look on your side of the path. See, I knew about your brokenness, and so I planted seeds on your side of the path, and I transformed the pain of your problem, and I used your brokenness to water the seeds on your side of the path to create the beautiful flowers that I'm able to pick and put on my table every day to decorate my home. Anybody tracking? God can transform that most broken part of your life to decorate his table with the flowers of his grace. And that's what he's doing in some of you today. And here's a verse that was uniquely highlighted for me at the time many years ago when I was going through the worst part of my brokenness. And I wrote this down in my journal at Psalm 51, 8 through 13, where David says, Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And look at what he says next. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And look at this last part. Then I will teach one more back. Then I will teach your ways to sinners, and they will return to you. And that passage in my life is fulfilled in your hearing today and has been fulfilled over the past many years as I've shared my personal brokenness, struggles, issues, and pain with other people so that they would turn to him. And look, life point, what I want to ask you to do today is keep your environment of welcoming broken people Continue to say it's okay not to be 
okay, embracing broken people like the drunks and the porn addicts and women who get paid with $1 bills and adulterers, thieves, gluttons, murderers, those pants-sagging gangsters, you know, their pants are sagging, hanging down, showing their underwear, and the freaks and the geeks and people who think that wrestling is real and people who text when they drive, you know, people who wear those really tight, Lycra biker shorts, you know, I don't like those shorts, okay? People who are potheads, meatheads, crackheads, deadheads, methheads, people who put their trash in the recycle bin. You can even welcome those over, overly religious ladies, you know, like those Karens that make their kids clothes and, you know, they, they watch too many reruns of Little House on the Prairie. You know, this is, even religious people are broken and need change. So look. Keep that environment here because every broken people, every person can produce a treasure inside. And the reason that broken people have the opportunity to even have a treasure inside is because of his brokenness. Do you know God was broken? Let me show it to you in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We know communion. And Jesus was broken. His body was broken because of the ways that you and I have sinned and rebelled. And if you have never begun a love relationship with God through Jesus, it's real simple to do. In fact, perhaps he brought you here today because he wanted to adopt you as his kid. You know how you do that? You don't have to repent to earn Love relationship. But what you have to do is receive him. John 1, 12 says, as many as receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. He doesn't want minions. He doesn't just want soldiers in his army. He wants daughters and sons that he loves. So I think it would be totally appropriate if we just kind of stop the train for a minute and pray and talk to him, shall we? Let's bow before the Lord. And as we bow before the God of the universe, what I know is happening right now is that some of you who have never had love relationship with God, you're sensing something right now and you can't describe it, but your heart is beating like a tennis shoe in the dryer right now because you sense a presence that's loving and cares for you. And I want you to talk to him in your own heart and mind. You don't even have to say it out loud. But just say, hey, look, Jesus, I know we haven't always seen eye to eye. <laughs> and God, I know I've screwed some stuff up and I've sinned. But God, right now, in this moment, the best I understand it, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ was broken on the cross for my sin. He was my substitute. And I welcome you into my life, and I want to be a part of your life. I want to be your daughter, your son. Welcome in. And as we continue in prayer, those of us that pray in the Spirit, we say now and speak into the atmosphere around Life Point Church, both online and in person. 
We pray you demonic forces have no right to people here. Your holds are being broken. Clouds of depression are being blown away. Anxiety is being calmed. Lust addictions are being set free by the power of Jesus. Physical bodies are being healed. People are believing in Jesus and becoming his kids. Eating disorders are being healed and changed. As the children of God come before their good father, and we know that when we ask him for bread, he doesn't give us a stone. (laughs) He's good. And so those of you who are leaning into your brokenness now, I want you to just talk to him in your own mind and heart because he can read your thoughts. And you may just say something like this. Good Father, the best I know how. I'm submitting this failure, this broken area in my life to you. And I'm asking you, good Father, to transform it But before you transform it, Father, I'm choosing to agree with you about the things I've done that were sin. I know it was wrong, and I confess it to you. And I'm not going to try and just blow it off or sweep it under the rug and say, you know, nobody's perfect. But I'm saying to you, God, I sinned against you. And I trust that the cross is just as relevant for me as it is for those that are beginning love relationship with with Jesus. I need it. So thank you. Others of you are saying, God, the thing that was done to me, the ways I've been hurt, I wasn't in control of it. It just happened to me. And it makes me feel so twisted on the inside and broken. But the best I know how, Jesus, I submit it to you and ask you to transform it so that I could see the power of God work in my weakness, so that I could teach your ways to sinners that they would return to you. So thank you for what you're doing in my heart today. And as we wrap up our prayer time, I'd like us to wrap it up with a declaration out loud together. So at this point, I want you to open your eyes and look at me just for a minute. Whether you're watching this online or you're in the room, when I point to you, I want you to say the words out loud, loud and proud. I am not defeated. You got it? I am not defeated. Are you guys ready? Are we ready to throw it down? Ready? So you you have to say this with the passion with which God by his spirit is doing it in you. You ready? Remember, it's I am not defeated. Here we go, ready? I am not defeated. That was solid if Life Point were a Presbyterian church, but you're not. So let's try that again. Okay, ready? Here we go. Let's try it one more time. I am not defeated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done in our hearts.
Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.